0: Man, Please have your seats. Thank you, AJ. Thank you. It's a beautiful song. I'm humbled here today. Man. You know, I thought pastor was going to steal the message. He's in tune with the Holy Spirit. We got an awesome pastor that prays and lets the spirit move him. And not only does he pray and lets the Spirit move him, but he ain't as scared to move where the Spirit tells him. We got a, we got a young pastor, but I reverence him with all my heart. I thought Pastor Toby was going to steal the message Wednesday because he was talking about a journey. First off, I'd like to welcome all the visitors here tonight. I see a lot of visitors. The pastor mentioned you already by name. Andy and Chris, Marlon and Colleen, Frank and Maxine, my homeboy Gilbert and Dora, Palomino. He used to run around with Andy and me too. He was bad, Andy? I didn't know you hated me, Chris, I'm sorry. (laughs) I told him he should take the money home to you. You know, today's message is a simple message, but I believe it's very, very profound because it's that simple. You're going to find it in Deuteronomy chapter 1. You know, Pastor said that there's going to be more Pastor Christians and Pastor Darrells and Brother Andy Chavez's and Marlins and Frank and Maxine have a heavy testimony. You know, Frank been going into San Quentin prison religiously for quite a while. He has a card that's not easy to attain. It takes a commitment level that not too many people are willing to go through. They'd rather ride on somebody else's shirt tail to go in there. But he got the card where others could ride on his shirt tail. And pastor is talking about that there's gonna be more people that are gonna be stepping out and stepping into a new arena in their lives. But when we step out and we step into, there's a whole crew of elements that are gonna be there to challenge us. And the scary thing is, those are the very things sometimes that will stop us from stepping into. So tonight, it's obvious that God's on the move everywhere. There's a revival happening within the body of Jesus Christ everywhere. It ain't here only in Victory Outreach Hayward. Everywhere you go, every church, you can see walls crumbling. You can see lives changing. You can see people rising up and answering the call upon their lives. And so here we are. The question will be, What new thing is Christ calling you to do? Is Christ calling you to do something new today? Where's God calling you to go? And where in your life perhaps are you telling God no? Where you're not answering the call, where you're resisting him? What areas in your life are you saying no to God? What new territory is Christ trying to take this church There's a principle and it's called accelerated blessing. The faster we trust and obey, the faster we will receive God's blessing. You know, you can't really speed up the process, but you sure could delay it. There's a process that's a must. It's imperative. You can't eliminate it, but you sure could delay it. Amen? In Deuteronomy chapter one, verse two, Moses says that normally it takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea was the point of the desert right at the end before you cross over and enter into the promised land. And it should only took 11 days to arrive at that point where all they had to do was cross over into the promised land. They had a process. They came out of Egypt and they had to cross the sea that split and there was an 11 day journey only. That's all it should have took to enter, to reach Kadesh Barnea. And that's what Moses is saying right there. It was the desert entry point to the promised land. It's the same point where you'll see later in some other areas where they sent out the 12 spies to go spy out the land. Some of us have gone through the desert, and some of us now are at that spot, at the threshold of promise. Victory outreach. That's where we're at. We're at Kadesh Barnea waiting to enter into the promised land. The promises that we have inherited. That's the year that Victory Outreach is in. We are in what? Inheriting the promises. We're right there at the threshold waiting to enter the promises we've inherited and more. Just like the Israelites. So then perhaps should we enter without studying the Israelites in that day, in that era? or I think it'll be wiser if we study them and learn. So let's look at the Israelites when they were at Kadesh Barnea. On the 12th day, the Israelites could have possessed the Promised Land if they didn't delay the process. However, instead, They made a very deadly, faith-killing mistake. They stopped relying on God's leading and began leaning on their own understanding. They stopped allowing God to lead and they began to lean. Listen, when you're trying to be in charge of your own life, when you're relying on your own intellect, your own talent, and strength to get through life, you're making a big boo-boo. Listen, don't rely on yourself. That's the no-no. That's only gonna delay your promises and only delay what God has for you. God loves when you trust and obey him. God loves it when we rely on him to take you through the journey of this life. He rewards faith and the quicker we trust and obey, the sooner we'll reap the rewards of his blessing. It's a principle of accelerated blessing. We become impatient very easily and want God to do something for us. Not now, but right now. However, we forget about God's purposes and God's timing. We gotta remember that he's all-knowing and all-powerful and he has his purposes and his timing. We don't understand why it's taking God so long to answer our prayers. Listen, if you trust God completely and obey him with all your heart, your prayers will have top priority with him. They will be answered in the fastest possible time according to God's plan. But without trust and without obeying him, you'd only delay it. That plan might require you to wait a few years. However, if you don't trust and you don't obey him, then the answer might not come for over 40 years. And then you still might not get it which would you rather have, a short wait or never enter? God is moving you, God is moving us into something new, fresh, deep, a deeper relationship with him, a new adventure with the Holy Spirit. We're about to enter the land that has been promised to us we're about to take new cities and capture souls for Jesus Christ. As we move forward, let's not make the same mistake that the Israelites did at Kadesh Barnea. We're, right now, I would say in chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 in Deuteronomy says, when we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, you have stayed at this mountain long enough. It is time to break camp and move on. You know, when I'm studying this, the Lord was just telling me all kinds of areas that I've been procrastinating in on my own walk. That's my Vernon McGee accent. Now, Where has God been telling you that you've been there too long? It's time to move on. If you haven't noticed, God's on the move. Here and everywhere throughout the body. If you've been saved any length of time, then guess what? You should be battle ready. Huh? You should know what to do by now. When it comes this way, when it goes that way, you should know what to do. Huh, there's a weave in, there's a weave out, there's a block, there's all kinds of things. If you've been saved any length of time, you should be ready. You should be ready for battle, and you should be ready for service. Each one of us should be at a level that we are ready for whatever move God wants to do next. We shouldn't still be scared of what he might be doing. God is moving us where we've been and to his promise. Victory outreach, it's time to move on. It's time to break camp. In verse eight, it says I'm giving all this land to you. Go in and occupy it. God is calling us to possess the land What land is he calling us to possess? Ask the guy next to you. What land is he calling you to possess? Huh? Is it a right relationship with him? Sorry about that. A right relationship with your spouse? (laughs) Give me a break, man. (laughs) Lighten up. A right relationship with Him? A right relationship with your spouse? A right relationship perhaps with your family? A right relationship with your church? Which one is God trying to call you into personally? He might even be trying to have you move into a right relationship at your work. Is there a Bible study going on at your job? Are people knowing that you're a praying individual, that you're a Christian? Are you inviting them to know Jesus Christ also? Maybe God is calling you to trust him financially, a new job, a new house, or maybe to give more in the offering bucket. God may be calling you to a deeper prayer life, to step out even more. Maybe to get a hold of Eric and and Celestino and, and Ismael and offer your services to help in evangelism or perhaps to take a team on your own. Amen. Maybe he's calling you out to use your spiritual gifts on a new level. God might be calling you to a ministry yeah. or to do, or maybe to start a new one. By the way, Whatever ministry you do or you think about doing, don't think that it's small in the eyes of God. Everything is important, really important to God. There's no, more, there's no ministry that's more important from the parking lot to the pulpit, from those behind the scenes and those that are on the scene. There's no small ministry. On the church level, God is calling us to exalt more, to envision more, to evangelize more, equip more, and of course, to establish more. We're gonna be sending more folks out, amen? We are going to occupy new territories, we're going in, we're not going to make the same mistakes that Israel did when they failed to trust God. The Israelites started off pretty good. If you look at verse 19, it says, then just as the Lord our God directed us, we left Mount Sinai. And go to the end of the verse. It says, when we arrived at Kadesh Barnea, I said to you, you have now reached the land that the Lord our God has given us. Look, he has placed it in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. You see, Moses was preaching to his congregation. And he's telling them that right before them is the promises that God has for them. And he's telling them because he probably knows that perhaps they might be a little bit afraid. Or maybe he knows that the courage might not be there. So he's telling them the promise that God gave you is right in front of you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Go get it, it's yours. Good preaching Moses gave his folks. He was inspiring, he was encouraging. What a preacher. Listen, the children of Israel started off pretty good. They reached that area. Believing that God was going to lead them into the promised land. What happened? What happened? As they journeyed, they had time to think about it. When they were at the mountaintop, they were all pumped up and ready to go. If they could have went from there to the promised land, they probably would have did it, no problem. But during the time of the trip, from the gate to the promise, they started tripping. Huh? During the trip, they begun to trip. How many of you have ever gone on a trip without LSD? To a place you've never been before. Without drugs again, okay? When you go on a trip you've never been before, what do you think about? You know, you think about the place that you're going to visit. If you're like me, you start imagining how the place is going to look. How the people are going to be. How the food's going to be. What kind of food do they have? Then when you get there, what happens? You find out you get shocked. It ain't like you thought. You couldn't imagine it the way it really is. When you see it, you, you, you had no, no kind of picture of it. Well, I'm sure during the journey of the Israelites, they imagined what the promised land looked like and what their lives would be once they were there, once they got settled. They probably imagined that their children will be playing in new homes. They probably imagined that the land was gonna be rich and productive. They probably imagined that there'll be plenty of water for their flocks and their herds. But then, what happened? They probably began to imagine something else. They probably imagine, in order to take the land that there'll be a battle. They probably imagined that they might die during the process of the battle. They probably thought that maybe they won't be able to endure what's necessary to claim the promise of God in their life. They probably even began to think that this process might claim their children and take their kids. Amen? So even though Moses did some good preaching, they hesitated to go into the promised land. Even though he tried to encourage them, they still hesitated. Instead, they camped at the border. In verse 22, it says, but you responded. First, let's send out scouts to explore the land for us. They would advise us on the best route to take and decide which towns we should capture. This seems like a good idea to me. So I chose 12 scouts. One from each of your tribes. They crossed into the hills and came to the valley of Escol, and explored it. Sometimes people make mistakes. Moses, looking back on the incident, admitted that it seemed like a good idea at the time. But it wasn't a good idea. You see, the problem here is that they stopped relying on God to lead their life into the land that he had promised them. They started relying on their own intellect, amen? God began, instead of relying on God to tell them what route to take, what towns to take, they were relying on their own talent. And that was very dangerous and that was their big boo-boo. In verse 25 and following, it says this. They picked some of its fruit and brought it back to us. And they reported that the land the Lord our God had given us was indeed a good land. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord, your God, and refused to go in. You murmured and complained in your tents and said, the Lord must hate us, bringing us here from Egypt to be slaughtered by these Amorites. How can we go on? Our scouts have demoralized us with their report. They say that the people of the land are taller and more powerful than we are. That the walls of the towns rise high into the sky. They have even seen giants there, the descendants of Anak. Listen, church, let's not make the same mistake. Let's not make a good start and fall down at the border. We've gotten this far. Let's keep going. We've gotten this far. We gotta step into our promises. I mean, if you look, we've all came out of Egypt. Some of us are coming out of Egypt. We've crossed the sea. We've crossed the desert. We have accomplished a lot. We've arrived here. We're at the border of the promises. We're here to inherit the promises and some more. Let's don't stop. Don't give up. Let's not make the same mistake that they made and fell at the border. It's a fact. We are going to hear frightening reports. We're gonna be faced with fear of the unknown. But when the frightening reports come, we've gotta be like Joshua and Caleb and declare with faith that God is with us and we can take the land. When the newspaper says that crime is up in the city that you're being sent to, when the checkbook says that there's not enough money to pay the bills, when your job says that your pink slip is coming, when your spouse says that I don't wanna be with you no more, when the doctor says that he has bad news, don't look down, but look up. The same God that's been doing his job is gonna keep doing his job. You know the report might be true, You might not have the money. And your job might be on the line. Huh? But it don't matter. Because God's with you. He will prevail over the enemy. You will conquer the land. If God promised you that land, that land is yours. In verse 29 to 31, Moses preaches to them again. He reminds them of the great and mighty acts of God, that they had absolutely no reason to be afraid. Yet in verse 32 we read, but even after all he did, you refused to trust the Lord your God. They missed the principle of accelerated blessing They could have entered the promised land on the 12th day. Instead, they were punished by their lack of faith. In verse 35, it says, No no one of you from this entire wicked generation will live to see the good land I swore to give your ancestors. Then in verse 39, it says, I will give the land to your innocent children. You were afraid that they would be captured, but they will be the ones who occupy it. As for you, turn around now and go on back through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. So then they wandered in the desert for 40 years. And that generation was buried where they missed their chance. They refused to trust the Lord by relying on their own wisdom and giving in to their fears. Listen, it's okay to be afraid, okay? God wired this sense in us to be afraid. There's an emotion of fear that we uh, would respect things that can hurt us. You see, not being afraid doesn't mean being crazy. Doesn't mean for you to go to the zoo and try to dance with a mountain lion, okay? There's an amount of fear that God gave us to be wise, to not be a fool. But don't be afraid when God promises you something. You see, you gotta have confidence, that's a fact. Don't be afraid, it ain't like a lion in a zoo. It's a promise of God. It's all right to have fear at times. It don't make you no good. But here Moses was trying to remind them of other things that God has done in their life. You got to remember that God is real and he's already done a lot in your life. And then therefore, when your fear comes, your faith should be greater. In verse 41, they came to their senses and confessed, we have sinned against the Lord. We will go into the land and fight for it, as the Lord our God has told us. So your men strapped on their weapons, thinking it would be easy to conquer the hill country. But the Lord said to me, tell them not to attack, for I will not go with them. If they do, they will be crushed by their enemies. This is what I told you, but you would not listen. Instead, you again rebelled against the Lord's command and arrogantly went into the hill country to fight. But the Amorites who lived there came out against you like a swarm of bees. They chased and battered you all the way from Seir to Hormah. Then you returned and wept before the Lord, but he refused to listen. So you stayed there at Kadesh For a long time they stayed there looking over the border at what might have been arrogance and pride. And trusting in self. They could only see the promise. Let's not make the same mistake. They had their chance. They had their second chance. But they refused to trust and obey. They missed their opportunity and died in the desert because of their lack of faith. You might be standing at the door of the promised land today. But for some reason you haven't entered. It may be fear. It may be something else. But God's calling you to cross. Will you answer and go in or will you ignore his call? At the end of this evening's service, we're going to ask you to make an altar call. And some of you might not even know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So we're going to ask you if you want to come and allow Jesus Christ into your life. Don't miss out and don't say no. Don't be afraid. Maybe next time, don't say that, because there may not be a next time. You might die tonight and spend eternity in the wilderness. The wilderness is a hot place. Yes, I believe it's real. Heaven is a real place and it also is forever. The decision you make today has eternal consequences. Decide for Christ and enter into his blessing if you don't know Jesus. then if you already know Jesus Christ, well then tonight's an opportunity to step out and to step in. Church, this is for you. Like in Luke five thirty-three, we find that Jesus is being criticized for the way he was doing his ministry. They try to demoralize him. They complain that John the Baptist's disciples always fast, and Jesus was eaten. Thank you, Jesus. I always use that scripture. Why are your disciples always fasting? In other words, they were saying to Jesus, why in other words, they were saying wasn't that Jesus wasn't doing the right thing? But you see Jesus refused to be moved by their criticism. Jesus was doing a new thing. He wasn't going to be him then by church as usual mentality. This is what he said in verse 36. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment will be torn and the patch would even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. The new wine would burst the old skins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be put into new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the fresh and the new. You see, wineskins, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the fresh and the new. The old is better, they say. What is that saying? Okay, we're about to enter to a new era. We're about to enter to a new land. We're about to do something new. We can't do it like the old. We can't do business as usual. We got to put new wine and new wineskins, but some people didn't want new wine. You see, they were satisfied with the old wine. They were satisfied with the way their life was. They were satisfied with business as usual. They didn't want to make a change. They had gotten comfortable. They had settled for less. They didn't want to finish the journey and cross over. They were willing to settle short of. They wanted to stay with the old wine. They have quit on themselves. They gave up the fight. Don't give up and don't be satisfied with the old wine. We need new wine, and therefore new wineskins. As God does new things here, some will not enter in. They'll stop at the border instead. They're accustomed to the old wine, to the old traditions, the old ways, but they don't even want the fresh and the new wine of the Holy Spirit. They will say that the old ways are better But God's saying, You stayed here long enough. It's time to break camp. It's time to move on, man. Come on. As a church, we're like the children of Israel. We're breaking camp and beginning our journey towards the promised land of revival. Revival's coming. It's in our path. We haven't arrived there yet, but we will. It won't be very long until we're camped at the border of revival. How we handle our thought life during this journey is critical. If you are fasting and praying and reading the Bible and seeking the face of God, you're gonna enter in. If on the other hand, you dwell on doubt and fear, you'll never enter. We are on a journey that requires faith and we're all traveling companions. You know, uh, the other other day, uh, Pastor Chucky hit on the shield of faith and that was very good, and he showed how they had to dunk it in water during peacetime. And then that way during battle, when the fiery arrows were shot at it, it was able to quench the flames. But he also showed how the, 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 the shield had other purposes, and that together they can build this great shield. And then uh, uh, soldiers that were weaker, would, they would get them in the middle. And that's how they worked. You see, we're not traveling alone. We're not traveling alone. We have travel companions. So we need to help each other out along the way. We got to be encouragers. We have to be helpers. We have to learn how to be friends to each other. Lift each other up in prayer. You know, pastor used to say, when was the last time did you cry for your city? And I want to know when was the last time you cried for the person next to you. When was the last time that you actually prayed and went for the person that's in the parking lot or in the sound booth or in the middle or in the front row? We got to learn how to be friends and encouragers, lift each other up, trust God with all your heart, mind and soul, obey him with your strength and we will all enter into God's blessing together. With that, the altars are open. You might still, right now, not even really understand what this was. What this is talking about was that there was a people that God had called to make a journey out of Egypt. They were in slavery. And slavery, we say, is when you have a life without God. Then they had to cross the desert. And it was a short trip. But there was a land that God had for them it was called the Promised Land. And the desert, you see, when they came out of Egypt, when they came out of slavery, they still smelled like slaves and dressed like slaves and looked like slaves. And the desert was a place of purification and change. To our thought, life might change. and our habit, life might change. And then they got to the border of the Promised Land. And they didn't enter, a lot of them. The next generation did. But you see, that's what God was calling them to do. And I believe right now of everybody here, if you were to seek your heart, you know that God has been tugging you to do something. God's been tugging you to move forward on something. God has been probably saying that you've been somewhere a little too long. That it's time to step out and do something new maybe God has been tugging at you to do something even bigger and greater at a bigger level. Maybe God's saying, hey, you've been in the shallow water a little bit too long. It's time to go in the deep. And he's telling you, don't be afraid. I have you. I got you. He says it's his promise. He ain't going to break it. He'll see you through. Step out. Step out whatever got you and step into the promise. Don't die in that wilderness. Don't be left behind. Come and claim your promises today. Come and claim your promises here today. Amen.